Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning again. It's Hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. It is the 27th of March, 2023. Uh, all in a day's work. Are you um, are you headed to put tractors, assemble tractors today? Is that where you're is that where you're headed? Mm-hmm. We have a listener who um, is assembling John Deere tractors. That's what he does as his occupation. His vocation is the communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ every day, always, and in all ways. But, you know, what he's doing today is assembling tractors. Um, And so what are you doing today? What's going to be in your day's work? Like, what do you anticipate happening today? Matt Laubin, his job, his job, his work um, is to forecast the weather. He's the chief meteorologist for WTVA in Tupelo, Mississippi. And so, you know, All in a day's work, he was on the air the other day helping people stay informed as a powerful storm system moved through the region. And, uh, you know, he's doing his job. But as he watched the tornado approach the town of Amory, he, he couldn't help himself. He cried out to the Lord, dear Jesus, please help them. Amen. We got a new scan coming in here as we speak. Oh, man. Like, north side of Amory, this is coming in. Oh, man. Dear Jesus, please help them. Amen. So as I watched the media coverage of communities in Mississippi over the weekend, devastated by these tornadoes, um, you hear three refrains. People are are testifying to the things that they said in the midst of it. Um, The ways in which they individually expressed their faith to God. You hear, it doesn't matter um, how secular the media outlet, the people of Mississippi um, whose lives have been ravaged, they're bearing witness to God. Um, One woman said, "I I got into my bathtub and I said to the Lord, it's just you and me in this house, Lord. So you either protect me in this house or I'm going to come see you at the Father's house in just a minute. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. Um, People were asking prayers for the families of those who had lost loved ones. One man saying, hey, we can rebuild this. We can rebuild this. But these people, they can never rebuild a person. Never. So pray for them. The third thing that you see and hear over and over and over again um, is a testimony of resilience. Um, conversations or, you know, testimonies that, you know, well, everyone's coming together. Everyone's going to, everyone's coming together. We're going to be all right. This twister was on the ground for more than an hour. Search and recovery teams are still at work. So let's be praying for them today as well. Um, And, uh, and it's not over. Another line of storms is moving through again today. 
Um, we are thankful that uh, the Yellow Shirt Army and the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Workers and Samaritan's Purse are already, already on the scene, um, as are others um, who will head that direction. So let's be responding to our Southern neighbors in this time of need. My second uh, thing just to lift up to you this morning is to ask the question, what time is it? What time is it? You guys have already started texting in your answers to that question. Um, it's time to pray. Um, it's, uh, it's time to exalt Jesus. I love all of that. What time is it? This, this question emerged because in Lebanon, which is a tiny little country, it's like, you know, it's only like 55 miles at the widest point in the, in the whole country of Lebanon. It's, you know, in the Middle East and um, geographically tiny country. And right now they're operating on two different, as two different time zones. Like within a few minutes drive in any direction, you can pass from one time zone and then into another and then back into the first. Even from your kid's school to your office, you can move time zones because the schools are now operating on a different time zone than are many businesses. The Lebanese government uh, made this last minute decision to delay the start of daylight savings time by a month until the end of Ramadan. Um, And so some are following that uh, decision by the government, but many, 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 including like airlines, right, who set who set flight schedules, uh, you know, not based on the the whims of any government, but right. So, what time is your flight? Well, um, that depends which uh, which airline you're flying. I mean, just imagine that for just a moment. It's uh, it's utter chaos, and um, and we'll see what comes of it. But what time is it? It's certainly time to pray. It's also Kairos time for all of us, and everything in all of time hinges on. Uh, or hangs on the hinge of Jesus. And then, you know, what time is it? Well, when in the world are we? Like, when is it, like, what is this time right now? Like, discerning the times in which we live. So when you have conversations today about what time is it, maybe God would bring some of those talking points to your mind. Dr. Linda Mental is going to join us next, and we're going to talk about what's killing our relationships. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Linda Mental is joining us now. You can uh, it, you can enjoy time with her on the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. You can also connect directly with her at drlindamental.com. Linda, welcome back. Good morning. It's great to talk to you again. Likewise. Um, all right. Let's talk about the relationship killer known as nagging. Yeah, it's not something that we typically think about in that way, but a lot of us uh, may struggle with doing that in our relationships. You know, it was funny, I was, you know, thinking about sitcoms uh, and watching, you know, when we watch sitcoms, Carmen, and how we see so often the husband in sitcoms being belittled and nagged and, you know, the, the wife is always the one telling him what to do and he doesn't know what to do. And a lot of people laugh at that, but that's hard for me when I see that, because I think that, you know, some that happens in relationships and there's nothing funny about it because typically those relationships don't last long-term because of the dynamic between the husband and wife. So, Part of what we're looking at here is to start to think about, do I nag in my relationship? And if I do, is it working to make the relationship better? And probably you can guess what the answer to that would be. (laughs) 
Yeah. Nagging does not make my relationships better. No, no, no. But it's something that when you're frustrated and you want something done, and for some people, it's really, you know, they really have a hard time waiting. And, you know, they don't, they think, well, uh, this has to get done. It has to get done now. I want it done the way I want it to get done. And I need to remind my partner. It may start out as a reminder, but when you continuously do this over and over and you say to the person repeatedly, you need to get that done. You need to do that. Why aren't you doing that? You need it. I need it now. You know, that type of thing. It just really wears on a relationship so much so that a lot of times what happens between couples is they forget about the topics that they're arguing about or the thing that they're not doing and they start to focus on the nagging. And there's a, a well-known marital researcher at the University of Denver uh, who says that when you start to fight about the actual nagging itself, that's a number one predictor of divorce. So mm. it doesn't work and it can really wear down and tear down a relationship because nobody, when you're nagging, neither person feels good. The nagger gets angry and resentful and the person being nagged often feels manipulated or controlled or they just get resentful also because it's like, you don't have to be my parent. You know, I'm not a child in this relationship. And often what happens with nagging is that type of dynamic begins to develop where one person is acting very parental to the other partner. And we don't like to be intimate with our parents in that way when we're in a marital relationship. We'd rather have this be more of a partnership and feel like we can, you know, love and respect each other, not be controlled and told what to do. So it's just one of those things to think about in your relationship. Do I do it? And if I do, what is the end goal of this? Is it working? It's not going to work and it's going to make your relationship very negative. All right. I have a few Bible verses for you if you're listening uh, on the topic of nagging. Um, some of them come from the book of Proverbs. Uh, better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a nagging wife. Um, uh, and this one also, this one's from Proverbs twenty-seven fifteen: an endless dripping on a rainy day and a nagging <laughs> yeah. wife. These are alike. Yeah. Yeah. I just, we, yeah we, that. I, I, that's pretty clear, right? That's pretty good. So we're doing, we're actually doing a, a radio show on this on Faith Radio on our on our weekend show. We're actually doing a whole show on nagging, and we actually did find those verses and talk about those verses and how specific they are. Um, and it's it's interesting because I think it's Solomon who wrote those, and he's got all these wives. <laughs> we, were, yeah. we were looking at the context of this and thinking, wow, he's got, you know, all these wives and they must be coming at him and wanting his attention and wanting to be the, you know, the special one or whatever that was like. Thank goodness we don't have that scenario today, but it must have been very difficult. And maybe that was part of the inspiration that he wrote that. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I also, if you're listening, um, read Judges 14 to 16. Um, and the context there is the story of Samson. Um, he marries uh, two different Philistine women uh, in those in those chapters, and in both cases, um, you you will see references to the way he was tormented with their mm -hmm. nagging, um, and then ultimately mm -hmm. you will remember that Delilah nags him to the point that um, that he gives up uh, the secret of his strength, um, and that right. led to his death. So, um, so there you go. There are some uh, some 
biblical uh, reference points uh, for this relationship killer of nagging. Great article by Dr. Linda Mental on the topic, and it is at drlindamental.com on her blog. More up next, we're going to talk about how do we um, stop fear from making us anxious. Are you dealing with anxiety or do you have anxiety and you're not dealing with it? We're going to help you um, alleviate this struggle where we allow fear to make us anxious. That up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. He's got the Dr. Linda Mental um, is here with us today, and we're going to talk about the reality of anxiety, what causes it, and um, how we can stop fear from making us anxious. Um, Linda, what what is anxiety and what causes it? Anxiety is that future-focused feeling of what if, what if. You know, you're constantly thinking about something that could happen to you, and typically that's negative because that's what creates those anxious feelings. And often it's rooted in fear. Now, fear is a is a good emotion when it when it's a prompt that something is dangerous and something, you know, is coming at you, whether that's something physical or emotional, but you can't live in fear and you have to be able to recognize that fear when it comes and not allow it to move you into anxiety. So it's a prompt, but it's not something that God wants us to live in. He constantly tells us, do not fear, do not fear. And Carmen, I was I was listening to you at the top of the hour and talking about how the woman in the tornadoes was mm. went into her bathtub and was sitting there. And I, I could imagine that it would be normal to be fearful of that storm and how powerful those storms can be. But she got in there. She didn't allow fear to grip her. She began to pray and she began to say, OK, God, it's either me now being protected or I'm going to be with you, which is the ultimate faith in God. And what does turn anxiety around? It's really trusting the Lord in all things that come into your life. It doesn't mean that trouble won't come. It doesn't mean that we won't face things that are fearful. I mean, we just came through and we're still even dealing with some of the fallout of the pandemic and people were living in fear for so long. And you could see the anxiety levels just shooting up in so many people because of the uncertainty And anxiety is about uncertainty, but God over and over tells us that, first of all, he doesn't give us a spirit of fear that doesn't come from him. When we live in that fear, that's not from the Lord. That's 2 Timothy, the very well-known verse 2-7, where he doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. So he prompts us continuously, do not fear and do not let that fear wander into anxiety and worry, and constantly wondering what's going to happen. The, the truth is that he holds us in his hand. 
He's got us. He's got our steps. According to the scripture, our steps are ordered by him. So if you begin your day with God, I give this day to you. I'm in your hands. I pray for your protection, for your peace, and not to live in that type of anxiety. That is exactly what scripture tells us to do. It tells us to cast that burden, cast that anxiety onto him and begin to trust him. Um, the image that comes to mind is Peter um, stepping out of the boat. Like they were in, mm. they were on that sea and they were afraid. And then they yes. see what looks like a ghost and they were afraid. Um, and then Peter actually recognizes Jesus in the midst of all of that. Like he recognizes Jesus for who he is. Um, but then, you know, he's like, well, Lord, if it's really you, it's really mm-hmm. you you know, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat, which is like astonishing, right? I I don't think that mm-hmm. if, even if my brain told my legs to stand up and get out <laughs> of the boat, like, right? I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're like, your brain is telling your legs something that they're just not doing. Like, it's safe. You should, sh- you should step from this, from this rock to that rock to get across this river. And, but I can't do it. Like my, my, I'm like paralyzed by fear sometimes. Um, and, and, and Peter gets out of the boat but then, you know, the wind and the waves, like it distracts him, right? He he loses right. his focus. It's not as if this is like a once for all, I'm going to turn from anxiety uh, or I'm going to turn from fear. You know, then God's going to answer this anxiety that I'm feeling. And the, and then I'm never going to experience this again. Like that, it mm. doesn't happen that yeah. way, does it, Linda? I mean, like it feels more rhythmic than that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really good example because if you think about what happened in that circumstance, so what you're talking is about, about is we're going to face multiple circumstances where fear is possible. Mm. And this is one of them that Peter faced. But as soon as he took his eyes off of the Lord, he began to sink. And that's the important part, I think, in that story is that the message is you can be in a very difficult and a very frightening and scary circumstance. But if you keep your eyes on the Lord, he's going to see you through that. So it is a practice in some ways of you know, being in a circumstance, being in difficulty. And there are times when we're facing things that are very scary, like health diagnoses and, you know, terrible things that have happened to us in our lives and fear and anxiety just creep right up. And we have to practice that. We have to go, okay, I'm in the storm. Just like, you know, using that analogy, I'm in the storm and Jesus is there. He's with me, but I've got to keep my eyes on him this entire time. Because if I don't, and I get into my own head and I get distracted by other things, I'm going to start feeling that anxiety again. So it's a practiced, you know, thing that you have to do is to say, okay, I'm going to redirect my mind. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on Christ, who then, according to another scripture, says he will keep me in perfect peace. So you have the ability to to choose what you're going to think on and who you're going to focus on in the moment of difficulty. And it's easy to get off of that. I will admit that. I've been anxious many times in my life, and I look back at it, and I think it's because I got my eyes off of Christ, and I got my eyes onto the circumstances, and I got into my own head with my own thoughts. So we can take those thoughts captive, and we can direct those to the Lord and bring that anxiety to Him. And you may have to do that. It's such a good point. Multiple times in your life uh, when these circumstances present, because they can be very scary. Okay, um, we don't have time to talk about it today, but now we need a follow-up uh, conversation. Um, we have a listener who wants uh, you wants to hear you talk about this and reflect on this in relationship to parenting. 
um, mm. you know, uh, say more about uh, being anxious about our kids or being anxious with our kids or being anxious for our kids. Like, right. So maybe maybe uh, I could inspire a follow up, Linda. We could talk about That'd that. That'd be great because yeah, we all I deal with that. that, right? Yeah. Very common concern. Uh, I'm anxious about my parents. So there you go. Uh, anxious about parents, anxious about kids, um, all kinds of things related to that. So thank you. Um, thank you so much, as always. You guys can check in directly with Linda at drlindamental.com. Listen to the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. You should download the Faith Radio app. That's a great way. You can actually just listen to Linda back to back to back to back if you if you get it on the app. And um, and that's a, a, a wonderful resource for you to have literally in your pocket um, as a wonderful resource to combat um, the challenges that you're facing today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. You say come to the All right, there's a lot going on around the world today. We will um, certainly hit a lot of international headlines tomorrow when Luke Moon um, joins us. And that's when, for those of you asking, uh, you know, what's going on in Israel and you want updates on that, um, we're going to specifically focus in on that tomorrow in our conversation with Luke. But we want to spend some time today focusing on what is going on in Ukraine and unfolding events there as well. And you can't talk about Ukraine without talking about Russia. So here are a couple of headlines this morning. Uh, the Kremlin has uh, a position called the uh, the Kremlin Security Council, and that the Kremlin Security Council has a secretary. That secretary is Nikolai Putreshev, and um, he is now on record as saying uh, the weapons to dis- that Russia possesses weapons to destroy any enemy, including the United States, if Russia's existence is threatened, and uh, they are choosing to regard actions by the United States and other NATO allied countries um, as potentially an existential threat to Russia. And so we've been talking about this um, and we're going to continue to talk about it and we're not going to panic, but we are going to pray and we are going to think seriously about the events unfolding in the days in which we live. Putin has announced plans to situate tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus NATO uh, criticized Moscow uh, on Sunday for its, quote, dangerous and irresponsible nuclear rhetoric after the Russian president um, announced that he would deploy tactical nuclear weapons to Belarus. Um, NATO is vigilant. Here's some of the language coming out of NATO. NATO is vigilant. Uh, We are closely monitoring the situation. We have not seen any changes in Russia's nuclear posture that would lead us to adjust our own. That's a spokesperson for the Defense Alliance of NATO. Um, But there is a lot going on among NATO allied countries in terms of um, organizing for war. There's no there's no other way to describe what is happening Um, and so I, I, we have to be aware of that and cognizant of that um, and paying attention not only to what is happening around the world, but how it influences, um, you know, our, our life right here um, in the United States of America. And so Fred Provencher is going to join us next. He's the pastor of the Cornerstone Christian Church in, I might be pronouncing this incorrectly, but I think it's Wyckoff, New Jersey. We'll, we'll get him uh, to tell us when we come back. Um, it, it's a church that um, has been raising money at an extraordinary level 
for medical supplies to be distributed in Ukraine. And when we talk about what local churches, what your local community, what you could do to affect what's happening halfway around the world, this is just a great example of it. So Fred Provencher up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Fred Provencher is joining us now. He is the pastor of the Cornerstone Christian Church. Am I saying Wyckoff? Is that correct, Fred? That is correct. That's how we call it, Wyckoff, New Jersey. Wyckoff, New Jersey. Fred, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. I hardly know where to start because I, um, I, there's so many parts to this story that um, they just sing of the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that exists among Christians around the world and, um, and the way that God has orchestrated, um, his will through not only your hands and the hearts of your people, but through so many others. And so maybe I'm just going to invite you to tell it as a story. Um, where, where are we now in the story? Where did the story start for you and how did it unfold through the middle? Well, the story started a year ago. Um, uh, and it started with a, a very routine thing that we do that other churches do. We take every Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, we take a special offering in our church. We take a special offering, we designate it for a ministry outside of our church. Um, usually for one of our ministry partners, a, a missionary, or somebody who's doing something for Christ outside of our church. And that's usually the the the, the, the refrain. So the elders of our church were meeting in February of last year to talk about where we we're going to designate our, our offering. And we had talked about maybe um, giving it to one of the uh, camps, Christian camps that were nearby, because they had been hit hard by COVID. Um, but uh, a, a week before we had that meeting, Russia invaded Ukraine. And uh, as part of an escalation of their battle over the Crimea region. And uh, everybody felt that. Everybody around felt that. Um, and so you know, there was a there was a, a sense that, boy, it would be great to be able to do something for Ukraine. Um, but most of us didn't think that there was anything that we could do. <clears throat> but the day before we met, one of our elders had gotten an email from um, an American who was living in Poland. Uh, so let me back up and tell his story. This was uh, a missionary with Foursquare Denomination. Um, our church is an independent, um, non-denominational evangelical church. These, this, this man was part of a four-square denomination. He was an American living in Poland. Um, he had moved there after retirement from pastoral ministry to support the work of the four-square missionaries and churches in Poland. Um, of course, soon after he moved there, the invasion happened. And because he had connection to the United States, he was hearing about various things. And um, he happened to have... Um, lunch with a group of other people, one of which was a woman named Nancy Westpatal, who was a missionary who had been in Ukraine when the invasion happened. She had been in Ukraine. She had had to flee Ukraine when the invasion happened and was now in Poland. The thing about Nancy was she's a, a girl from Oklahoma who she and her husband had been missionaries in Russia and then had gone to Ukraine, I think in the 90s, maybe late 90s, early 2000s. There was a lot of a lot of church work being done in um, in Kiev, 
in the 90s and 2000s, there was a great revival in the church in, in Ukraine and a lot of mission organizations. If you talk to Christians, a lot of them were going in and out of Ukraine. There's a lot of stuff happening. Anyway, she was part of that. Um, she had been a doctor, but had kind of given up her direct medical career to be a missionary with her husband. But while she was in Ukraine, she started this network of healthcare workers across Ukraine. And they would, um, you know, get together a group of people and they would go to an area and they would do medical care just as a way of loving people and uh, sharing the love of Christ. So this network, there were all Ukrainians, there were about 300 uh, healthcare workers, and they were already in Ukraine. So when the war happened, they were rushing down toward the, um, the front and people were just coming to them in droves. People who had been injured by bomb blasts, by bullets. They were injured and they were quickly running out of all of their medical supplies. So Nancy, sitting there having lunch with, um, with Dan Dunn, who was this missionary from um, the Foursquare, and he said, just as Christians often do, how can I help you? And mm -hmm. Nancy said, these are the medical supplies that we need. We need all of these medical supplies. We need bandages. We need tourniquets. We need syringes. We need alcohol. We need everything that you can find. And he was overwhelmed. And it quickly became clear that there wasn't any place to buy it in Ukraine or Poland um, because they were all being drained away. So Dan, in a, in a source of desperation, sat down and wrote an email to basically everybody he knew. Does anybody know how we can get medical supplies? Um, one of the people on Dan Dunn's email list was a woman in our church, because when Dan was a young man, he had gone to college right near our church and had actually been on staff for a little while in the 80s at our church. This was mm -hmm. way before I ever got there. There was almost nobody left who knew him, but there were a small number of people. But this woman had stayed in contact. She got the email. She forwarded the email to our, el our elder and said, is there anything that we can do? And he brought it to that elder meeting. So we all sat around and said, they need medical supplies. This is a missionary on the ground in Ukraine. Is there any way that we can do it? And that's how it all, that's how it all started. Um, and so, okay, so let me ahead. just, let me reset for folks who are listening. If you just tuned in, we're talking with Pastor Fred Proventer. He's a pastor in Wyckoff, New Jersey. Um, and a year ago in the lead up to their Easter offering, they were determining um, as church leadership, you know, where the funds would be designated to go. And so through a, through something that only God could have orchestrated, um, they are in touch then with a missionary um, in uh, in Poland, uh, who is in relationship with people across Ukraine, um, who are medical uh, professionals who are serving frontline needs. And so, you know, because God works in such magnificent and extraordinary ways, um, we are now headed into last year's Easter offering. What happened, Fred? So we realized, okay, we would need to ship medical supplies to them because they can't buy them. We thought, well, maybe we can buy them in France and or 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 some other European country like Germany and have them shipped over. Um, but the thought was that the things that they needed immediately, like gauze bandages, syringes, things like that, they couldn't buy where they were. So what can we do? So we said we would make some phone calls and we would come back and see this. We knew that we could raise money because that was a normal part of what we did. That was part of our church routine. We also knew that because it was for Ukraine and everybody felt that people would give sacrificially and we would probably have a larger offering than what we normally thought. So, you know, 
sometimes in our Easter offering, we get $30,000, $40,000. And if you're a nonprofit, that's a good chunk of change that's going to help you do something, you know? Occasionally, we'll go uh, more than that, like $50,000, if it's something that really is timely and everybody feels like I want to do something. So we started finding out what could we do. I called a guy in our church who is a kind of a venture capitalist. He has a company. And one of the things that they do is they start medical companies and they fund them and, um, and, they, and, and they do research through them and then they make them profitable. And, and he has done very well with that, starting up various medical companies. He and I had just got talking after a wedding. I did a wedding for his daughter and we were talking and I was like, what do you do? You know, and he told me about all this kind of stuff. So the next day I call him and I said, um, I said, see, he's a businessman, but he's in the healthcare field. I said, here's what we need to do. We need to buy these medical supplies. I don't know how to buy medical supplies. And I don't know how in the world we would get them to Poland. So, so Steve, because he, you know, he's works in these larger companies. He said, well, we could probably find somebody in our company, a vice president who could oversee all the medical supply purchasing, but wow. how would we get them there? And he said, well, I know somebody who heads up medical shipments for UPS. Mm. I, I, I know him. Let me give him a call. So he calls a guy um, uh, named Wes Wheeler who runs medical shipments for UPS. He says, if we could get a bunch of medical supplies, could we, could we, would you ship them? And he said, we'll ship them and we'll ship them for free. Mm. He said, we, we've designated a certain amount of money for relief. You get us the medical supplies. We'll ship them for free. So right there, we've saved you know $30,000. And all of a sudden, it seems possible. So through another physician and through this company, we start telling people we're going to we're going to be able to gather medical supplies and we start fundraising. Usually okay, on so Easter what, what, Sunday. So, wait, so, so we're going to pause right there. This is going to be the cliffhanger okay. portion of the conversation. We're talking with okay. Fred Provencher. He's the pastor of Cornerstone Christian Church in Wyckoff, New Jersey. This is the middle of the story. And so stay tuned because we're going to find out next what God did um, in the Easter offering and just how much God is still doing through this effort to supply um, medical uh, medical supplies to people on the front lines in Ukraine. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. I want to be your hands. I want to be your All right, we're continuing our conversation with Pastor Fred Provencher from Wyckoff, New Jersey. All right, Fred, um, we we know the need. God has drawn us to it. 
Um, you guys are now turning to the Easter offering, and God did what? So uh, what ends up happening is we go to our people three weeks before Easter, and we say, we don't have time to wait for Easter. We're going to start raising money right now. <laughs> um, and we, we've, we've got some people who are willing to buy medical supplies. We have the UPS says they'll ship it for free. <clears throat> But you realize you can't ship medical supplies just directly to somebody sitting in in Tarnow, Poland to go into Ukraine. Right. We needed a warehouse. We didn't know how to do that. We end up we end up making a connection with Convoy of Hope, which is an Assembly of God uh, international ministry, Convoy of Hope. They have a warehouse in Poland within driving distance of where this missionary is. And they say, yes, you can ship it to us. We'll inventory it, especially when you get to restricted stuff like alcohol or anything that's considered a controlled substance. Without the warehouse in in um, in, Convo- in Convoy of Hope, we would never have been able to get it into Ukraine. But we started collecting medical supplies at our church, and we're like, where can we collect medical supplies? You know, can we put them in the hallway? Can we put them in the building? And then a couple of us realized that there was a church nearby us that was they were a, a Presbyterian Church of America. They were a PCA church, but they were good friends of us. Their church had a loading dock next to it with a warehouse. So we said, mm. can we put the medical supplies in your place to be picked up, to be taken to the to the to UPS, to be taken over to Convoy of Hope in Poland, to be driven to, you know, to Tarnow, to be driven into Ukraine. And they said, yes, without that link, we wouldn't have been able to collect the supplies. It was just crazy. So that happens. We end up sending about five supplies, five pallets of um of tourniquets and gauze bandages and all that kind of stuff. And it all, it all works. It takes a while to work it out. Timely considering, you know, but when people realized we were doing this, everybody wanted to give. So our, our giving goes into the 50,000, 100,000, 150,000, 200,000, because we're not spending any money on shipping. We're just sending it over there. And now it's out of my hands. All the, the medical people and the lay people in our church who are organizing it are doing it. And we're sending all these supplies over. At a certain point, the lady, Nancy Westpatal, who runs, <clears throat> who runs Hope in Action in Ukraine, said, I don't know if there's any way, but we really need a Sonosite sonogram machine. It's a portable sonogram machine. They use it diagnostically. They do sonograms to find out if somebody has an interior injury you know, from a bomb blast or just anything because they don't have um, CAT scans and stuff like that. And they're portable. So they cost about $60,000. And so she said, if we could do that, we could take it right into Ukraine. That would be great. So we end up buying that. And then the elders say, we should go over and see this. You should go over and meet these people, you know? Mm -hmm. So I end up going over in, um, I was going to go over land in Krakow, drive to Tarnow, which is on the near the, the um, Ukraine portion of Poland. And I was going to meet the folks who got all the medical supplies. That was all. It's just a weekend trip. But while we were there or while we were preparing, the pastor in Poland, who's a Pentecostal pastor who knows the American missionary, said, I'm going to be driving into Lviv, which is a very Western city in Ukraine, taking other supplies. Do you want to go with us? So I said, of course. So we were able to take the Sonosite machine on the plane with us, the, the, the um, ultrasound, fly into Poland and then drive it into Ukraine. And on a Saturday night in Ukraine in November, we handed the Sonosite machine to 
Ukrainian national healthcare workers, and they drove it, you know, they, four days later, they were at the front using it for diagnostic stuff. And so the amazing thing about the whole story for me is that um, it, it was great that uh, we were able to raise a bunch of money. You know, that was really great. But it was also very humbling to know that a lot of the money came from outside of our church and that our church alone couldn't have done all of this. You know, every single link along the way, if the missionary hadn't known Nancy, he didn't even know her. He just bumped into her. If that missionary, Dan Dunn, didn't know somebody from our church from 30 years earlier, the old Christian friends, you know, right? They're just still on your email list, you know? If 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 uh, UPS hadn't been willing to ship it, if Convoy of Hope wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have had a warehouse in Poland, if, um, you know, if she didn't have medical workers already in Ukraine, because all the missionaries had to leave Ukraine, but these guys weren't missionaries. They were Ukrainian healthcare workers. All of it came together. It was an amazing story and very, very humbling. And so we were able to go over, meet them, film it, kind of tell people the story. And that was, that was just an example of just what, what God can do when Christians work together. Mm. Nobody seems to worry about who's going to get the credit or whose brand is on it or that kind of thing. Just people humbly saying, whatever you need, we'll do. And we made a little video about it because most of the people didn't want any notoriety. They were just happy to help. UPS had no idea that we would ever tell anybody. The The companies, the people buying the medical supplies, they didn't expect anything. There was no press briefing or anything. They just wanted to see medical supplies get to Ukraine. And it just reminds me of that. When the church humbly works together, like the body of Christ, uh, amazing things can be done. You know, so that, that was, that was the story. Hey, Fred, can people see the video? Yes, they can. Um, our website is cornerstonenj.org. And I believe if you go there, you can find uh, a link to the, the, uh, um, the, 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 the 35 minute video that we made cornerstonenj.org. It, it's on, we have a Vimeo account too, but I think that's probably the safest place to go. And if you can't awesome. find it on there, you can always email somebody and say, send me that link. Um, and, uh, and, and so that's the story. And that was the miracle. It was really great. I to love be a part it. Of. I just love it. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Cornerstone NJ dot O-R-G. Fred, um, thank you. Uh, thank you. Bless you. Please. I, I think in the, in the spirit of the, of the apostle Paul, who was good at, um, sending thank you notes like the book of Philippians. Um, <laughs> please, um, please say thank you down the line. I will. I will. We, yeah. we are all very grateful to other people. And uh, it's humbling to be a part of something that's so much larger than just yourself. You know, well, it's, and it's thank a great you. thing. So thank you for thank asking. You for, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for giving all the glory to God because it's, um, yeah, he's, he's the one changing history. And it's just so fun to not only be a part of it, but to bear witness and testimony to it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And bless, uh, bless this year's uh, Easter offering. Right? Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you very Amen. much. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. Yes, for those of you asking, um, Chris Manson, 
U.S. ambulances for Ukraine. That effort continues as well. We've talked with Chris on a couple of occasions um, about that effort to deliver ambulances fully loaded with medical supplies as well to Ukraine. There are all kinds of efforts um, among Christians whom God has, you know, not not only moved hearts um, and moved financial resources, but like moved material aid um, to the front lines of people in need, um, not only in Ukraine but in other places around the world as well. And so let's be um, let's be prayerfully and financially supporting those who are um, who are in places and spaces today that are really difficult and really hard, um, but where they are doing um, real good. So let's be lifting uh, one another up in uh, in a spirit of prayer today. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.